Welcome to Those Who Do Podcast, a podcast about people. I'm Zach Barclay, here with the Nathan Lane to my Matthew Broderick, Tony Forsmark. David Feld and Sean O'Brien are Hollywood producers. The good kind, not the greedy, preventing actors from making a living wage and stealing their likeness to be later used by AI to lower their bottom line kind. They both work doing things like making sure money is accounted for, marketing is handled, crew are secured, and productions have what they need to move forward, and possibly purchasing birthday cakes, among many other things. David and Sean join us to talk about their early lives in Arizona and Connecticut, respectively, and how they ended up in the industry. They also clear up a lot of technical and industry terms on their own, without being asked. Like teachers, except best boy and key grip. They wouldn't tell us what those were. Listen to find out why. This is Those Who Do, The Producers, with David Feld and Sean O'Brien. Jesus, you guys should get married. If you see a co-producer, they're somebody's brother. I'll try not to talk too loudly. I'll try and keep it at this. Uh... My name is David. And I, I like to do how do you have How do you have any friends? We ask ourselves this question mm-hmm. frequently. Raw charisma. <laughs> <laughs> we all signed contracts before we actually knew. <laughs> it's not like the opposite of an NDA. Like he you're... said he was giving <laughs> us an autograph. He wanted yes, our, our autographs. Yeah. Yes. So we gave them. Are you ready? What is that? That's it. Yeah, there's a high-pitched noise. It sounds like a... Like a vacuum cleaner or a leaf blower? Oh, the guy next door was doing laundry, yard work. No, I bet it's a, I bet it's a leaf blower, probably. As a Midwestern uh, white grandfather, I'd know that sound anywhere. You're a grandpa. <laughs> I am a grandpa. Yeah. Is yeah. that a greatest American hero tattoo? It is. Jesus, it is. you guys should get married. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, you are officially the fourth person outside of a comic book convention that's recognized it. I didn't see it, but I would have. Was I one of the four? No. Oh, okay. I don't think you recognized it. I don't of think course you, I did. You don't pay it. You don't even know you have a coffee maker. No, that's true. But I, I know that. I had a shirt with that on it, for crying so, out loud. And I, I pretended I was uh, him for like some sort of talent thing when I was a kid. You know, those little square rollers that you used to do in PE? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I put a cape on, had my shirt, and, and sang the song. And while crashed I was... into everything? Huh? Crashed into oh, everything? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I sang the song. Yeah. Don't, don't tell me what I do. No one knows. This was high school? Or? Yeah. Well, it would have had to have been probably like pre-K, you know, considering how young I am. I, I think high school is probably more accurate. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was elementary school. Uh, so I, I told uh, Zach he should roll up a character. You should. I don't even know what that means. Well, I will show, <laughs> I, I will show and tell you, and you don't even have to do anything, but then you'll have that experience. Oh, okay. So I, I'm I'm a bad nerd. Like I like I've never I've experienced pretty much anything, everything else except for D and Like I've just never had the opportunity. Yeah, I, I tried it once last week, and I was. Pretty He's in. He's fully <laughs> yeah. in. Oh, yeah. fully committed. Yeah. Pot committed. He, he really enjoyed it. He uh, embraced everything. But I mean, sometimes it's not. I mean, like. Jorge did a couple different versions. So he did some Cthulhu and he did some D&D. Mm-hmm. And he's like, for him, he likes board games because he has the finite rules. And the yeah. Sure. Yeah, and so sure. it's... it's it, it, yeah. 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 I mean, I like I played Axis and Allies once and it lasted too long. Oh, Axis and Allies lasts it forever. forever. It's, that's, yeah. that's it. So that's longer than a D&D campaign? It can be. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. 
Because yeah. actually, an allies, you can take four hours, five hours on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. a very dry game. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you got, I mean, it, 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 I enjoy it every once in a while. But yeah, if, if anybody's like, let's play Axis and Allies, I'd be like, uh, I don't know if I have that time. Do we have the time for that? Right. And I guess the 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 poor man the poor man's version what would it would it be risk yeah yeah I guess ish uh, risk or diplomacy yeah diplomacy during the pandemic we we played diplomacy over our over phones text. it was it was hard it was a lot it, it was, was a lot, lot. yeah because Jorge uh, kept having to take pictures of the map like and we were texting like, our <laughs> we were texting our moves to Jorge every night <laughs> by a certain time and then he was taking he was moving the map sending everyone photos you wake up to like. 400 texts from like other people yeah. trying to like make deals make with you. deals with you and yeah. make you come yeah. some people were hardcore some people were um annoyed <laughs> it, it sounds absolutely miserable yeah. i'm not gonna lie it, like, it was a, it was a long it was like it was a while like a yeah. month yeah at least because we did that and we did what did we do werewolves we did werewolves which was fine yeah it wasn't it was back and forth but it wasn't right it wasn't as and Sean like, and Jorge and and Ralph and I used to do emoji charades, uh, charades yeah. you know, just <laughs> wow. No. We started that before, for, the, for like oh you know, yeah, that was way before. Was way yeah, before it was like that. so like try to guess the movie title by. Oh, wow. yeah. So you started that before the pandemic. Yeah, I can't it, remember it, what started it. What is it like to have so much free time that you play it's, a it's, Mosey it's, charades? I was doing it on set. <laughs> I was doing it on set. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also played Legacy Risk. Do you know what that is? No. So Legacy Risk is uh, you have a board, and every time somebody wins, the board changes. Every, every game, the board changes. So the winner gets to uh, name a continent and then also put some stickers on the board that change the rules of the game. And then if certain things happen, like if three nuclear weapons go off, then mutants show up the next game. Or that, that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Eventually, at some point in time, there's a world capital that shows up, uh, aliens invade. Uh, it, it, and so the aliens are a faction. Now, is this like an established game, or is it yeah, just something? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it took us f- four years, three at or least four. three, three, three at to four three. years. To but finish. I mean, that was because they were coming and going, and they oh, were yeah, in town. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, he was like, so we would have played it a lot so, faster. Yeah, so it would yeah. be when they were Becky and he were available. But, but but I mean, like that's this is a game that you can go out and buy it. Yeah, hundred okay. percent. And then I, I can show you the board because once it's done, that board is dead. Oh, yeah, anyway. you took the board, didn't you? So so everybody signs it each time they win. And then, so the winner gets the the one who wins the most gets the the board. Yeah, so Tony has the. It sounds like you guys we would couldn't be, defeat him enough. It would be the perfect. Oh yeah, because towards the end it was all like, "Where's Tony? Let's kill him." Uh, <laughs> well, I can identify. Yeah, like I said, that's Sean. I think that's Sean's. That's normal half of our games. Yeah. So we played werewolves the other day. I was like, "Tony, it's Tony, it's Tony." I'm like, "Doesn't matter where I am or not." And we were both the werewolf at the time. <laughs> exactly. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I think that you guys sound like you'd be rife to have one of those uh, championship belts made. I think that would be. <laughs> well, that's what the, the board is. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't throw a board over your shoulder and. You like, could, but you know, I, I should put it up on display. You're framing prominently. it. Prominently. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Prominent yeah. frame. Yeah. When you change your room into the room that we use for this, it would look great in there. I'm pushing so hard for him to like make that room a dedicated. Mm-hmm. Man cave room. Well, it's close. Yeah, you can yeah. You get it there. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm it, telling it, you. Once I redo the catio, so I can get that thing out of there, then I'll be more comfortable with doing it. Because yeah, yeah I don't want to the cavalier boxes. No, no, I get that. But, that's a, <laughs> but I mean, that's a that's a two man lift, twenty second solution right there. 
It's out on the, on the catio. Yeah, but then the cats have to use it, and they mm-hmm. dig holes in the cur- and, and they get it's out. Fine. They go out. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. It's fine. I have to literally replace my entire they screen. Go outside anyway. I let I let Figgy in when I went out for my walk today. He had I been am. outside partying all night. No, I let him out this morning. You weren't up in the morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a dog that scratches at me until I let him out. It's gone. What's gone? The oh. noise. Oh, the voices. No, they're still there. <laughs> kill. Those don't ever go away. No, unfortunately, it's not kill. It's eat chocolate. You know? <laughs> wow, our voices know each other. <laughs> eat ice cream. All Do it. All of the cookies <laughs> and pizza. Good. God. There are sweets in the house. Eat them all. I wish just once my voices would be like, no, 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 that's enough. That's plenty. I'll let you get started this time, buddy. Okay, well, welcome to another episode of Those Who Do, and today we are joined by... That, don't do that again. Uh, <laughs> what? What was wrong? We're joined with by... Yeah. And anyway, it's uh, organic. It's this, organic. This, this is me doing my... Uh, this is all staying. <laughs> yeah. No, but, I mean, now that I said that, it's yeah. all staying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is me being like... This is what I do on my uh, self tapes for auditions. It's like, oh no, start over. You know? <laughs> and Reg is like, come on. Well, um, I mean, luckily, this is not the episode that we're sending out. Right. To, to be like, hey, please get a sponsor. Oh god, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was gonna be until he fucked it up. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I feel really bad now. You guys were gonna be our, our, you know, flagship. Welcome back to uh, Those Who Do. We are joined today by David Feld and Sean O'Brien. Welcome, David Sean. Real quick, tell us what you do. David. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being here, guys. We really, really appreciate you like taking your own time and coming in and talk to us. Uh, I mean, I hope we have something to talk about. You will. You will, I promise. Um, no, uh, thank you for having me. I am a producer, and I work in the uh, film promo portion of the industry. I, I do a lot of marketing for, for movies. Nice. Love that. That, ooh, that's an, even, that's an even different level than we were. Our goal is to talk to people about, that have been doing, that do unique things, and hopefully not talk to, like, same people over and over. So marketing is very interesting to me, and I can't wait to hear about oh, it. Oh, great. Yeah, and I'm Sean O'Brien, and I uh, I do the same. I produce uh, film and television, uh, more on the film side. Excellent, excellent. And we're, so we're going to get to know you guys. We're going we're gonna to learn about little Sean and little Davey when they were little kids and, and, and where you grew up and what your interests were, whether you're a Transformer guy or whether you're a G.I. Joe guy, you know, we're going to really get in the meat and potatoes, you know, because very rarely we you both, right? Usually we go to that first, yeah. but because uh, we, we, we dealt with this with uh, when we talked a little bit about the, with the strike uh, on, an, on another uh, pod, explain the differences in producers. Oh, yeah. Good. Just so Good the point. audience knows right up front, you know, we're not on strike against you guys. How long is this podcast? As um, long as we need it to be. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, but I mean, so each of you in turn, so Sean, you go first this time, uh, explaining your difference between what you do as a, a production person compared to like not the studios, which are the producers, the money people. Gotcha. Um, mainly, I am in in. My job would consist of putting together uh, the crew. So, uh-huh. like, if a job comes along, I uh, reach out to all my friends and I uh, let them know I got a job coming up and see if they're available. So, I'll put the crew together. 
um, I'll be given the budget to uh, allocate and figure out where that's going to be spent. Um, get the gear, get the stage, pretty much just plan out the entire thing. Right. But, and you are paid just like everybody else by the executive producers. Yeah. 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 You know, you could call it paid, (laughs) (laughs) especially when you're, especially when you're the one dealing with the budget and paying everyone else and going, Oh man, yeah, that's right, how much cool. I make, huh? Okay, cool. It's a nice small retainer that you make. Yeah, <laughs> I mean small. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and David, well, before we go too far, no, I, I know I don't want to go far, but no, 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 David, no, no. It's, it's related. It's related to something you mm. just said. And the, the listeners, I guarantee you, this is the question at the forefront of their minds: What is a key grip? What is a gaffer? And what is a best boy? <laughs> they are on the other side of the camera, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't give away all the secrets. <laughs> I just, I always love sitting in like, you know, you're sitting at the end of a movie and people are, you know, waiting for that hidden scene and they're like, there are, there's always a chuckle every time. What's a best boy? <laughs> I've, I've been sworn to secrecy, but I can tell you they are the best. Of the boys. They're not always not boys. Not always well, boys. We need, we need to change Sometimes this. Sometimes the best boy is a girl. It should be best person. person. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I agree. But then they'd have to change the template on all the credits, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a whole industry overhaul if you go that route. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if not now, when? <laughs> uh, same to you, David. Similar? You know what? Funny enough, very, very similar. Just a different niche. But yeah, I uh, do the same thing. I call all my friends and say I have a job. Um, we get a budget or I put the budget together. Um, oftentimes, uh, Sean and I would be what's known as a line producer uh-huh. uh, because we handle the budget line by line and make sure that we're accounting for everything. Oftentimes, there are there's an executive producer, which we unfortunately are not. They uh, usually get that credit because they have either found the money for whatever said project you're doing, or they are themselves giving the money, or they just know somebody, like they're somebody's brother, <laughs> and say, hey, I want to be an EP on that job. It's usually the latter. It's, it can be a latter. That, that's often the same for co-producer. If you oh. see a co-producer, they're somebody's brother. Somebody, uh, somebody, or sister. Somebody owed somebody something. Very much so. so. Always believe the producer titles. Question the co-producer. Um, EP, LP, any other kind of producers? Well, there? I mean, there is the... Associate, which is associate. Usually, they're a they're they're either a serious position like a PM that didn't get the title, or yeah, it's the person who did more work and then and and then then didn't get didn't get any pay, so they gave them a title. So give the associate producer a look from any project that you're looking at. They're probably the they're a hard worker. They're the hard worker, and then uh, creative producer. Sometimes in the um, advertising Mm -hmm. world, we will get these creative producers, Mm -hmm. and they they just think up ideas. You know, they come up with ideas. I'd be good yeah. at that. Yeah. Yep. You'd, you'd be a great creative producer. <laughs> so it, it, when you're dealing, when you're specifically dealing with the marketing, is it just, are you, are you limited to, okay, I, I can dole out X amount of money to different marketing avenues? Are you allowed, are you able no, to he, the advertiser, like I, 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 the advertisers, when he says marketing, I asked David, I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> They're working on specific projects for the advertiser through the marketing company uh, portion of the studio, right? Pretty much. So what happens is the marketing division of the studio, prime, well, I'm not, I'm under NDA for a lot of things. So I'll sure. just say an example, any studio would, they have a marketing department and they're given X amount of dollars to spend throughout the course of the year to promote their projects. So they try and figure out like an average cost for these pr promos that they're going to do. And a lot of these things that they shoot, they'll, they'll come on stage, they'll bring the lead actors for the project, shoot the whole thing. And then they'll take that one spot and cut it down to like a hundred different things that mm. they'll put on social media mm. and they'll put on, they'll advertise on TV. It just really depends on where they bought to advertise. So with the, with the stranglehold that social media has on pretty much everything these days, were you, were you, were you, part of the industry prior to social media being a big deal? You know, that's a great question. I was not, okay. I've been in it post social media prior to this. I, Sean and I had very similar jobs prior to the last two years. Um, and then I signed on with a company as a full-time employee that specifically does marketing for, for film studios. We got a, we got an opportunity to work on a lot of the different movies that are coming out. So now we can go back to a formative Formatives. What was uh, little Sean's upbringing? Oh man, uh, I grew up in a small town um, out on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, whereabouts? Uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, I just went through Connecticut in June. Uh, the whole New England area is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah I love being out there. It was it's great to go back. Yeah, I think we did uh, nine states in eight days or something like that. Just. I would never do it that way again, but we hit everything out there. It was pretty great. So yeah. small town, Connecticut. Yeah. Mom, dad. Yep. Siblings. Yep. Uh, one brother and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> some people didn't. Oh, yeah. I was born in a, in a, in a, in a manger, in a manger or a test tube. I had no, I was raised by scientists. It is possible to have a single parent. Tony. It is, but, but there was, there probably was, I know, but there probably was a, a, at least somewhere, a donor, a donor of some sort. It's really best if you would going forward, be a silent partner in this enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I often find that's the case. Yeah, really, it really is. So, so uh, growing up, let me rephrase so Tony can understand. Uh, growing up, uh, were you? It was a nuclear household. Was yeah, mom and dad yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it, you know, it was um eighties, seventies. You know, so yeah. it was uh it was very much uh, grab your bike and yeah, go have fun and. We'll see you when you come back. Hope you come back, apparently. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Parents definitely had a different outlook oh, on, sure. <laughs> right. yeah, on what you could do and what you couldn't do, especially right. being in a small town that was like your nearest neighbor was like, you know, a mile down the road. You could you could pretty much go anywhere you wanted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what what uh, like your hobbies and interests when you were a kid? Um, TVs, movies, cartoons, yeah. you know, uh, watching TV when you come home, but then, you know, grabbing a bike and going for a ride and doing that kind of stuff so uh what did mom and dad do uh dad worked at a factory and my mom worked for the school district um as an accountant so um were you i, I always i'm always fascinated because i was a latchkey kid you mm -hmm. know did you have that like the the key come home make yourself a little snack sit down and watch some cartoons and you had that moment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. For, you got that you got that time when you yeah. get off the bus and you got that private time oh, that was, that, <laughs> it was the best man yeah. like i just loved it because i could watch whatever i wanted and, and 
whenever I wanted. And, uh, you know, mom and dad would roll in at like five or six when they were mm-hmm. still together. Yeah. And because I also had a, not a nuclear family where they were both together, see, so one lived in one house and another lived in another but, but house. But you had a father and a mother. Well, I mean, yeah. Ish. So just checking, ish. just checking. <laughs> David? Oh. Same question. Uh, same question. Uh, don't cop, don't copy question. my answer. <laughs> well, it's going to be tough. I mean, it just sounds like this is the groundwork for creating producers. I don't know. Um, now, mine was a little split, funny enough. Um, I, was, I was born in 1980, so I got a little bit of that feel. Uh, I was born in a town called Fayetteville, North Carolina. Sure. And I grew up in a little town called Dunn until I was about seven years old. And it was very much that life, you know. Uh, we got blizzards. My w- mom would kick me out the door and say, hop on a bike at five, six years old and disappear, uh, which we would. It was great. And then when I was about eight, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona and totally different life. Oh, you absolutely. Can't go outside yeah. on the regular. It's just not conducive. And you might burst into flames. <laughs> you might burst into flames. This you, may, you might be human true. trafficked. It could be either or, really. Uh, no, this was pre-human oh, trafficking. Okay, okay. Just well, a little that, bit. That's but. what you thought. <laughs> I wondered where those kids went. There was that one kid in school. He was a good kid. A good kid. Um, but yeah, so the second half of my uh, youth was spent in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, growing up in a little town called Gilbert, kind of a farming community that um, quickly became concreted while I was growing up, you know, strip malls, parking lots, the whole thing. That whole area is really blown up. It's crazy. Population wise. And, and, and just (laughs) there's stuff being built every day. I I lived in Sierra Vista for a year. Oh yeah. Yeah. And like, I remember going to visit in Sierra Vista when I was a kid and it was like the leave your doors unlocked 25,000 people. And then I moved down there for a year and it was like 70, 80,000 people plus the fort, you know, and it's just like, what happened here? And it was just kind of a shit show. (laughs) There was, you know, it was the infrastructure wasn't, in place to support that large of a growth. I mean, it was still wasn't a big place, but like they were not ready for to almost double their population in 15 years. Yeah. It was um, pretty impressive what happened out there. Yeah. It's crazy. I, yeah, I guess it's, if you have the thritis, you go live yeah. right <laughs> If you can stand the heat. Oh, yeah. But it's a dry heat. Yeah. So. Dry heat. Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, oh, similar uh, question. Parents, uh, parents. parents, I have a nuclear family. You had them? You had them? Okay. I had them. Oh, boy. Uh, no, <laughs> this is never going to end. <laughs> no. Uh, mom and dad, yeah, both together. Had been all, all the way. Mom passed last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, rest her soul. And, uh, but it was good. Uh, good upbringing. Brother, one younger brother... And and then uh, sister was a middle child, and uh, we're all doing well. How close in age were you and your siblings? Uh, three years from my sister, and she was three years from my brother. So oh, that was a very, very sound like a very planned out situation. Mostly, I think my sister and I were accidents. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were your were your folks creatives? Uh, you know, that's a great question. Um, I'm so glad that you asked. Uh, funny enough, my dad was a doctor. And my mom was a retired nurse. And growing up, they had always kind of encouraged the arts. My dad's mom was a Holocaust survivor who became a Spanish teacher, a book writer. She knew like seven different languages. And she constantly pushed for the arts. She grew up a ballerina dancer. It was just kind of ingrained in her. So my, my dad is 
the less creative. He's basically Spock. And then um, his sister was okay, okay. very creative. Wait, wait, which Spock? Like Dr. Spock? Oh, no, like... we're talking Leonard Nimoy. Okay, okay, if okay, Leonard okay. Nimoy and Harold Ramis had a baby, that's <laughs> that my dad. Be... That sounds amazing. Yes, he looks like Harold Ramis. <laughs> oh, my God, that's great. But uh, he does have, you know, funny enough, you go rifling through your parents' stuff. You find some books that they wrote when they were kids. And you're like, oh, my God, they're creative. And uh, my dad's sister was creative. She played harp. She went to um, some school called Interlochen in Michigan that was renowned for you know music. So it's it's been in our family to to go into the arts. And and the same on my mom's side. Funny enough, my mom's great grandma was a script supervisor in Hollywood, and they had, it was one of those where her parents were sick of their parents and said we got to get the, as far away from them as we can. <laughs> and they moved from L.A. to Florida, oh, and wow. that's where she grew up. So. Wow. But yeah, there's there's definitely creativity throughout the family. John, uh, yeah, my um, my parents weren't overly creative. My dad was like, you know, into film and television, mm-hmm. and was uh, definitely enjoyed it um, and welcomed it into the house. So it was it was always present. Uh, my grandfather was mo- probably the most creative in our family. Mm-hmm. He uh, did a lot of woodworking. Did like uh, built boats, like those little boats mm-hmm. that you would have in like. And uh, doll houses. Did he put them in bottles? Because I still don't know how people no, do that. No, I think he did one. I think he did one in a bottle, uh-huh. but he he had them in these like you know plexiglass yeah. cases. Yeah, sure. And uh, the joke was always after he passed, like, oh my God, don't disturb, don't disturb the <laughs> the boats or whatever. And, and my, uh, you know, when I was in college, my my mom and my stepfather were moving out of someplace, and my stepfather had dropped the. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, everyone in the family was like, oh. "No, they like w- wiped their hands up." And were like, "No, no, no!" But it wasn't us, so. <laughs> so he's cursed now, right? Yeah, oh, totally, yeah, yes. totally cursed. Just want to make sure. Yeah. And then, uh, so what led to where you are now? College? What did you do? Uh, were you? Uh, did you have your eye on the industry? Yeah, yeah. From from pretty young, I was like interested in, you know, animation and film and television and all that stuff. And just in, in storytelling in the entertainment business, uh, I went to a private art school in Columbus, Ohio, uh, called CCAD, Columbus College of Art and Design. And I went there for animation. It was a, um, backed, uh, Disney program. Okay. It was like, there were certain schools in the country that had like this backed Disney apprenticeship kind of thing. Uh, so I went there and like, Within the first, God, I think it was like two months of getting in. It was really hard. It was hard to get into. It was like, sure. you know, it was a tough school to get into. And when I got there, within two months, I was like, I don't think I want to be an animator. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's though. not just drawing funny little photos, right. like little images. And, and also, it's it was a very different, mi- like, also, I went straight from like this little small boondock town in Connecticut mm-hmm. to like Columbus, which was a city for me and meeting people from all over the country. Right. And I was like, wow, I have no interest in being with these animators for the rest of my <laughs> career. <laughs> and I worked really hard to get into the school and I'm not leaving because there was no plan B. Oh yeah. So I was like, okay, well, how do I stay <laughs> and not <laughs> be an animator? Uh, the f- school at the time did not have a film program, mm. but they had a photo uh, department. So I, I just quickly switched to photo and was like, okay, well, I'll do photo and I'll figure it out. And if I have to switch schools, I have to switch schools. But as I was there, they were developing a, a film program. They had video classes and 
and and they were kind of slowly kind of getting there. And, and I realized if I just stay here and figure it out. And I also knew, I kind of knew deep down that I didn't really need a diploma mm-hmm. to go work into film. Like it was something my parents really wanted. Like they wanted right. me to go to college. So right. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, let mm-hmm. me just stick it out, figure it out. And whatever I get, I get. Luckily, by the time I graduated, the school had done enough with video and stuff that they took all the classes. So like animation, photo, and they turned it into something called media studies. Yeah. And I was like, awesome. So I'll graduate with a media studies. No one ever knows that I switched my major, you know, (laughs) two times. Right. But while I was there, there wasn't really any classes or anything. So I was just kind of making it up as I went. So I was like taking creative writing classes and then convincing, (laughs) convincing the instructor that I was going to take the assignment, but I was going to turn in scripts. Mm-hmm. And like the instructor's like, I don't even know how to read a script. And I'm like, I'll teach you. It's fine. And like, you don't, and she, was, and she was getting very, she was getting very concerned about it. But I was like, look, if I can just teach you how to read it, you don't have to change the assignment. Whatever the assignment is for all the other people to write essays, I'll take that assignment and I'll just turn it in. It'll just be a different format. Yeah. Like, and this is an A. Yeah. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, you, right, might not, exactly. you might not know it, but this is an A. But she was, she was great. She was great. She was, she was hesitant at first. But then once I kind of gave her a couple of scripts to take a look at, she was like, okay, I get it. And then I just started turning them in and I took that class like three times because <laughs> I was like, at least I get to write scripts. So I just was doing that. What a fun way to do it though. It's like a build your own curriculum. Yeah. Like that would have yeah. been amazing. It was, it was great. Yeah. Well, so it's great when you're formative because you're not entirely sure and to be able right. to have that freedom. And, and you're also, because you're working with people who aren't really sure, you're getting pretty good grades. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Closest I ever came was I was like, look, I don't want to wear a dance belt. So is it possible that uh, singer's voice for actors can sub for ballet? Like that was as close as I got to building my own. Career. Yeah, because uh, Iowa State had a similar thing where we we changed into a performing arts department, so it was mm-hmm. all encompassing theater, music. Yeah, after all this I, other stuff. Yeah, after I left, I had I had friends who had stayed in Columbus, and they were like. Dude, they're like, those things you made up are legit classes now. <laughs> and I was like... It's part right. of the curriculum. Yeah, it's, it totally is. Yeah. It's, it's weird. You go back and just find out you have tenure. Yeah, they've got a whole... They've, <laughs> they've got a whole There's a plaque up there with your name on it. You might have a retirement plan you don't even know about. I, I get no credit for it. It's fine. I, I survived and I got, I got out, which was great. Um, but... Yeah, they're like a Ryan. full program. <laughs> Professor Emeritus. <laughs> I what now? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole uh, account there waiting for you. Uh, and uh, David, you went to a party school. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I went to two universities. The first one is the notable Arizona State University. Oh, my. Oh, my. Of the and Big 12. Oh, my. Yeah. Of the, big, of the now Big 12. <laughs> uh, formerly Pac-12. Yeah. It was a great school. I'm not going to lie. I When I went to school, I thought I wanted to be a history professor. Huh? Th- that lasted about one semester. Just, it was just too exciting. It was for just it. too exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, honestly, I leaned on my folks a lot for guidance because I was totally aloof. And my dad brought up, you love theater in high school and junior high. What about theater? I said, that's wow. a great idea. That's awesome. Let's do it. And then I graduated four and a half years later. Yes, four and a half years. And (laughs) came to the conclusion that, uh, Dad, what the hell am I going to do with this degree? (laughs) You liked film growing up. You know what? You're right. Maybe go to film school. Okay, that's a good idea. I'll do that. So then I went off to film school. Uh, Here in California, there was a school in Ventura called Brooks Institute of Photography. 
And uh, I went there for three years. If anything, I got a degree and I met my wife. Well, that's important. It is. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. I'm sure I, I'm sure your kids would think it's very important. It is creepy how similar the stories are. Oh, yeah, oh, totally. Because yeah. I, I met my wife in college as well. So yeah. that, like the other like the same sentiment, like at least I got a wife out of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my wife uh, when she was in grammar school. Yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, I think you're rubbing off on me. I think what's happening. Do all your friends do this? Well, no, I, I, I'm starting to see the one that's disrespectful. Yeah, there's a pattern. Uh, yeah, because in in college, doing a production, you wooed her. That's a word I for existed. it, isn't it? I existed, <laughs> and she was drawn to me. Magnet, like a magnet to steal. Worn down like a moth to flame. Magnet to steal, my friends. (laughs) And so Brooks brought you in this area. Yeah, so Brooks brought me into California. And once I graduated from there, you know what? I went the internship route. I interned at a little company called Crossroads Films, which is no longer with us. They produced a little movie called Igby Goes Down that uh, starred one of the Colkins. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a great experience. I got an opportunity to work with um, Wayne Isham, who was a very big music video director from the 80s. And then I got an opportunity to work with Mark Pellington, who um, made the Mothman Prophecies and had directed some uh, music videos for Pearl Jam and the Foo Fighters. Who were you interning under? So at the time I was interning under, oh God, what was this guy's name? It was what department? Oh, uh, this was the music video division. Great question. I was working under the music video department, and I remember I had to burn these reels. And back then, we were still doing DVDs. I mean, I I know people still use DVDs and Blu-rays at home, but this was how we got their reels out. This is circa 2005. And yeah, they had a a DVD burner there, and I just sat there for days on end burning reels for Mm, Mark and Wayne and all these other guys. and. Then finally, I got a chance to get on a commercial, and I think it was a pharmaceutical commercial, and that was oh, it. Oh, so the the oxyepidemic's your fault. Uh, you could blame <laughs> me for that. And, you know, honestly, it might have been Zoloft, so, you know. Oh, it could be good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That's a good thing. Yeah, there we go. That's better, right? Yeah, that's much better. Thank you. Sean, how'd you get out here? Um... At the end of my sophomore year, I had an internship with Universal Studios. Uh, so I came out here for the summer of, oh God, 96. So we weren't doing DVDs. We were doing VHS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still um, remember having my reels have to be on VHS. Yeah. And I'm like, here, here's my reel. And it was a little early. Yeah, it was a reel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I came out. Um, the company I was originally coming out to work for at Universal moved to New York to do a TV show. So I got to the studio and they're like, oh. Sorry, they're not here. So like, we'll we'll find somewhere else. We'll find somewhere else for you to internship. And I flew like from Columbus to L.A. just for the day. Like my plane, like I arrived at noon, and my flight was leaving at like nine o'clock. Was it that a day night. internship? Uh, no, I was just I was just interviewing for yeah, got, for got, the got, for yeah. the position. Um, but I ended up getting an internship with uh, Perry Katz Productions at Universal that was housed in, in the, on the lot. Uh, they uh, had just done Flipper. And uh, they were in the middle of filming McHale's Navy. 
Uh, so poor Tony sitting over here and being like, I remember those shows. Oh yeah. I don't know I, what you're talking about. I, I remember <laughs> we would, we'd sit down in front I mean, of the council TV and we really, well, that, that's, that's, that's the funny part is both those things are from the uh, yes. reboots from the fifties. Oh yeah. So yeah. it'd be like, Oh yeah. Mikhail's an AV and it, flipper. It, jokes are always funnier when you explain them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Tony, I'm so sorry. I don't know that this show's about interviews. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, I love. I st- I still love you uh, in spite of who you are. Okay, despite what I do. Yeah, yeah. what you do. Um, <clears throat> So we're 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 back in uh, in the nineties. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're, we're back at, at the, the wonderful Universal Studios. Flipper had just come out that summer, so we were promoting the movie, and then we were also um, receiving dailies from Mikhail's Navy as they were filming. I feel like they were in the Caribbean. I can't remember exactly where they were, but they were sending them in. I was just stoked because I was working on the next. And what were you doing? Uh, in the office uh, okay. with the producer and um, just overseeing production daily okay. daily stuff so i was excited because i was working on the next bruce campbell film like that was stoked that was also before i saw mikhail's navy but <laughs> but <laughs> it's not that bad it's not that bad now. but i mean he's no longer a sport nine but yeah 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 those were my first two films okay <laughs> okay so you're out here you, you done your internships you're kind of getting settled in what was what was the moment for b- both of you to start with david what was the moment that y- you said okay i'm here this is what i'm going to be doing now this is the job that that kind of settled me and went all right this is i, I made the right decision wow that's a tough question <laughs> the one where i said i made the right decision yeah 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 that might have been like last year. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. I think I, I fought through 15 to 17 years of just, I don't know if I like this. And yeah. then just last year, finally at a job where I'm like, I like what I do. Yeah. I don't hate this. And that honestly is not that abnormal. We talk, we've been talking to a lot of people this, uh, over the, this weekend and, and we talk a lot about imposter syndrome. Like it seems like all creatives, everyone in working in the industry at some point has this imposter syndrome moment of like, I, I'm not, I don't belong here or, or is this really what I should be doing? Meanwhile, they're successful, but it's just like that broke thing in our heads that like, uh, that we all kind of share of, I've been looking at this from the outside for so long. And now I'm here. Do I belong here? That imposter syndrome moment. I mean, 15 years before you get over it. I mean, I'm glad you finally did. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I still have my moments. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, and that's interesting to hear. Actually, that's reassuring to hear oh, yeah. that it's fairly normal to have that. Yeah, I don't know that there's been anyone that we've talked to that hasn't, that that hasn't come up at some point in the mm. conversation. No, I mean, yeah. it's kind of, yeah, yeah. 100% common for it's everybody but me. And it's a pretty strong feeling until you're like, you know what? I th- I think I finally made it. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, took that long. How about you? Uh, for me, when I when I officially moved out here, because I I did the internship and then I went back to school, finished my college, right. and then oh, sure. yeah. and then came back out. Um, was working in an audience department when I first got out here, where you're basically just sitting in an audience, just clapping and making trying trying to make some connections i quickly kind of got in with the people who were doing the audience like coordinating it Mm -hmm. uh and then got a job working with them 
So then I wasn't sitting in the audience. I was coordinating it. And it was it was good. Doing that for a little while. Do you remember what that was, what the project was? Uh, the project that I was doing, it was a couple of different shows. So it was like uh, The Weakest Link, The Syndicated right. with George Gray. Uh, what was the the male version of you. It was like with Dick Clark and... Oh, yeah. I forgot that even existed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, the other half. The other half. The with male Dick version Clark. of you, like any uh, every, every other thing. Well, now they would just call it the Alphas. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing that for about a year, I want to say. I was doing the audience thing and it was kind of jumping from show to show, but it was kind of... I was getting over it. It's yeah. not what I wanted to do. And I was about to tell the company that I was like, I was done because I wanted to go into film and, and do more things. And I felt like I had made enough connections with a few people that I could maybe go down that road. And right before I left, they were like, well, our next job starting up is going to either be the Sharon Osbourne show or the Ellen DeGeneres show. We're mm -hmm. not sure which one. It might be both. And we're not sure where we'll put you. And I was like, I don't want to do the Sharon Osbourne show because I'm so tired of like shows just being from week to week to week and not knowing if if I'm going to have a job next week. Right. But I was like, well, Ellen, that could be a five-year... Stable. That could be a stable five-year thing. Like, that could be a real show. So I was like, if it's Ellen, I'll stay. And with Sharon, I'm gone. And it ended up being Ellen. So um, I went in, built the audience department from the ground up with, with everybody and ended up staying at Ellen for, I think it was seven years. Wow. Just about, just about seven. I did... My last day at Ellen was the thousandth episode. So I did a thousand episodes of Ellen. Wow. Yeah. When you hear a thousand episodes, you, you know, there's no frame of reference for most people listening, like what that really means. I mean, that's a lot of yeah episodes. I mean. And it's live to tape yeah. and it's, it was a, it was a hard show and, and yeah, it was a hard show. It was a, it was a lot of work, um, especially like season one when we didn't know what we were. Right. Or if we were like, no, like, I know it's hard for people to understand at this point, but like you would tell people what you're working on and they didn't, like I would say at the Ellen DeGeneres show and people would be like, I don't, like I know who right. that is, but I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, so what, what does that mean to coordinate the audience? I mean, what is that job? Yeah, well, um, we would bring in people, we would tell people we're doing, especially season one, we'd be like, we're, we're doing a show called The Ellen Show and do you want to come sit in the audience? And it was a lot easier for Ellen than it was for like the other half and, and, uh, God, I can't think, oh, weakest link. You have to like kind of coax people from like the universal tour and be like, Hey, why don't you come watch a live taping? But with Ellen, it was like a lot of people were like kind of interested. So right. we were getting emails from people saying they were interested in coming. So we just set up like a, a system where we were like booking people and right out of the gates, it, it was unheard of. Cause like right out of the gates, we had the first two months like fully booked wow and then we really kind of knew from like the get-go that we're like oh and i was only doing um the vip so like i was handling ellen's mom and her guests and as long as also the guests of the celebrities that were coming on to right. the show if they had people who wanted to guests, sit in the audience yeah. and you know guests of the eps or whoever at the very first season it was 200 people in the audience and for the first year I was only doing VIP, but my people that were coming in were close to 100 people per show. Like it was like usually about 50 to 70 to 80 people, wow. depending on the show. So I was handling half the audience. Right. Right. So yeah. like, so like, our people were like, "Well, why, why haven't you called enough of the, you know, the other people? Why are you just doing the, the VIP stuff?" And I was like, <laughs> "Bless you, thank you." I was like, "Cause it's half the audience. <laughs> like, like the people weren't. That's a lot of people I'm dealing yeah. with. Yeah. And then once they did, like the EPs were like, "Oh, we're gonna need to reel this in." So like, then they started like 
overseeing how many people were requesting tickets. So I, I normalized. And I was I was doing the audience for there for about the first two seasons. Oh, wow. And then I started doing other stuff. I started you know, PAing and then assisting and then just kind of working my way up. And by the time I left, I was um, a researcher. Oh, for yeah. like for, for like guests? Or yeah, bits, for guests. Or, okay, yeah, gotcha. working with the producers to just... And I had wanted to do writing and producing, and I was looking forward to like producing with them, but it just kept feeling like I'm not going to get there because I, I was also an assistant. Well, not like the assistant, but like the on stage assistant for one of the EPs who needed me to do stuff for them all the time and relied on me. And uh, so it was really there was hard. There air for the... Yeah, and it was great. And I love that they respected me enough to know that if they said my name and said, do this, it was done. But it was difficult to advance uh-huh. because every time I was doing that, the person who was supposed to replace me with the EP would come and get me and be like, uh-huh. he needs to see you. And then I go to see him and then he'd be like, go do this. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you're not getting it. <laughs> you're not getting it. <laughs> the new guy's supposed to go do that, not me. <laughs> so, so sometimes you can almost uh, skill yourself into a position. Yeah. Where, like you can't get out because you're doing it too well. And yeah. I, and I did, I, I left the show. I was like, okay, I'm, they were leaving from, we left our stage at NBC. We were at um, NBC for the first five years. Five, yeah, I think it was five. And we moved to Warner Brothers. And when we were moving and packing up the stage at NBC, I was like, this is my app. Like, if I'm going to leave, this, this I, I don't, I don't want to move to Warner Brothers and get connected and grounded and fall in love with a new stage. Like, this, this was home for the last five years. If I'm going to go, this is the time to go. So I, I was like, okay, I'm. I think I'm I'm done, and so I was gone for about a month. <laughs> and <laughs> and the producer a, called you up and said, "Can uh, you come here for a second? <laughs> yeah. And I got a phone call saying, "You know, we've got this new program, and we're trying to figure out some stuff. Why don't you come back and help us out?" So I went back before the summer was even over, and then I was there for about a year and a half, two years. Uh, and they hid me, like they they were like, "We're gonna hide you in the back. We're not even gonna tell the executive where you are. <laughs> like, like don't. Let, we're not even gonna let them know you're back." And it worked. Like it, it worked. I think that break totally worked. But the program that they brought me back to work on wasn't working the way it was supposed to. It was like a computer program that they were trying to like get a um, database of all the old shows, like trying to get like where a producer could punch in, you know, straddles the table, and and every episode that that happens comes up. Oh, right. Tape on it. And because I'd been there from day one and had like a photographic memory of every shot that we've ever shot, they just wanted me to basically put my brain into a computer and. They could just use that whenever they needed it, but the the you know the computer system had no capabilities of doing that. So um, it was constantly crashing. It was constantly not working. So eventually, they just were like, I, "Hey, Sean, when was this? Yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the application that they were hoping to use it for? Like, what was the application of that computer? Uh, they were hoping it would be uh, something because there's a lot of callback on that show. Okay, there's a lot of callback where a guest comes back and they're like, well, "How many times have you been here? Or how many times has Ellen said this or done this?" And so it was just a way where the producers could punch in whatever the thing is that they were wanting to reference. Gotcha, and then. It would just say episode this episode. They could just get a quick response to how many times that acted. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So as a research tool, kind of. Yeah. And would they like cue video from it? Like, hey, remember no, when it, you did this? Yeah, it wasn't that. It oh, wasn't that. They would pull advanced. video once they knew what episode. If they yeah, they could to. go to the yeah. log and find yeah. the episode gotcha. and pull it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so David, at post internship, what was that? Uh, so post internship, when I once I got the opportunity to get on set, I pretty much uh, became a set production assistant and for the folks out there that 
don't know what a production assistant is, just like in any other industry, you're a gopher. <laughs> you you go for whatever they need. So uh, if it's fetching coffee, if it's... I bet it felt great when Tony brought you that coffee today, didn't it? Oh, it was like, so good. Know your role, Anthony. No, I'm not like that. I'm not a vindictive individual. <laughs> I, fe- um, I felt it for you. Oh, buddy. good. Yeah. <laughs> good. At least somebody's getting something out of it. Uh, but yeah, you're a gopher. So I did that. You know, honestly, I got in, I was a little aimless. I set PA'd. Somebody taught me how to drive a production cube. And what that is, folks, is, you know, you take a U-Haul van and you make it a little taller and a little longer, and that's your standard production cube. And you're driving that every day. You're picking up equipment before the day of the shoot. Then you're showing up on the shoot. You're unloading everything. You're responsible for all the equipment, all the gear, all the walkies. You hand it out to all the departments, and at the end of the shoot, you pick it up, you pack it into your truck, you inventory everything, and then you drive off, and the next day you return all the gear to the vendors. Now, I want you to ask me, how much does that individual uh, make? Uh, uh, I got a good idea. Dave, just, just so you know, we're missing like five surveillance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and guess who gets blamed for that? David does. Yeah, It's going to uh, come out of your paycheck. And I just want you to know, each one of those surveillances costs $85, and that's your yeah. responsibility. Oh. But you're only paying me minimum wage. Mm-hmm. Tough shit. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't sorry, mean I didn't, mean, I didn't, no, mean, to, I didn't, I didn't mean to trigger anything for you. No, no, it's okay. Those are deep <laughs> memories. Some of them need to come up. Um, so I did that for four years as a truck PA from like 2000. 2006 to what is that? Uh, 2011. Yeah. 2011. 2010, actually, because there was a defining moment. I bought a laptop and that immediately put me in the office, which I was incredibly <laughs> grateful for. That guy's for. got a laptop, man. He can do more than drive. Get over here. <laughs> and uh, after two years of doing that, funny enough, at the same time that I was office peeing, somebody had given me a license to first AD movies. And I did a few movies with, uh, you know, some B-listers or whatnot, and uh, first ADing is hell. For folks out there that don't know what a first AD is, that is first assistant director. And what an assistant director does is he's the one that's calling roles and cuts, and he's basically the director's right-hand or right-hand guy or girl voice of the director the voice of the director you are the if the director is the general you're his second in command and uh it is a thankless job it is one of the hardest jobs on set it pays really well but you have no life they say that the average first ad's lifespan is 55 years because their stress levels are also in charge you're also in charge of everyone's safety so I was doing that for at the same time that I was learning to office PA and starting to become what is known as a production coordinator, uh, which is the right hand of the producer or left hand. I don't know. We can get into that later. <laughs> and so I was at a crossroads and I was still with my girlfriend of the time who uh, were we married? Yes, we were married. We had gotten married. You were married to your girlfriend. I was married to my Mm -hmm. girlfriend. She was now my wife. (laughs) And often, as you do when you get married and you're thinking about procreating, you end up procreating. So I was at at least practicing a practicing a whole bunch. So we got a surprise in 2012 that she was pregnant, and I was on the path of either being in the office or on set as a first AD. And I was like, well, which one can I have a life with? I was like, I'm going into the office. And I gave up the first AD job, went solely into the office. And that's kind of what 
led me to where I'm at today. Were you enjoying being a first AD? Not at all. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It it was awful. So it was a rough, rough decision. Because you also have to be, you're the person making sure people aren't set on time. Yeah. Making sure, you know, outside of the, the UPM, the the unit production manager, you're, you're responsible, like the UPM's responsible for like every, everything going along the way the plan has been set. But once you're on set, it's the first AD who has to make sure that that plan becomes reality. looking yeah. at the first AD, even if it's not. Yeah, his they're thing, setting the tone. They're it, setting yeah. the day. Like, yeah, you making your day or you not making your day is one hundred percent the first AD. Yeah, because the director <laughs> could come in and have his own thoughts or whatever, and it's like just implement. Yeah, they're implement. Ba- they're baby they're babysitting everyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The director's not going to tell you what to set up a pop up. No, right. the first AD is like <laughs> Video Village is here talent goes over there. Mm-hmm. It's a tough job. Yeah. And my heart goes out to them. And honestly, as a producer, you live and die by oh, your yeah. first AD. Yeah. Like, like I said, making your day is in the hands of the first AD. So when you pick a first AD, you pick the best first AD you can. Well, and, and making your day, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is, you know, making sure that uh, you don't fall behind, making sure you get all the shots that are scheduled for that day, making sure that yep. uh, your people are showing up where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. Yeah, um, and like on a film, you have a certain page count, yep. and you have to meet that page count each day. Yep. So it's a the locked in schedule, and you can't, yeah. you can't, and and once you miss a page or once you miss, like once you go a little over, it just, it just, it's the domino effect, and it just screws up the rest of the shoot. So yeah, you, you're yeah. really focused on not having that happen. And the, yeah. and the, and the first deals with every side of it, like the create the the actors, the writers, all anybody that's coming into that set world is oh, yeah. as well as the uh, the production team mm-hmm. yeah now, even down to like what time can we break for lunch yeah. you know is like, lunch here yeah <laughs> is lunch ready <laughs> is is that i mean is that a job that some people will do their entire career oh absolutely yeah. oh yeah. god why <laughs> well some, <laughs> the some, some people some people love it Pays a lot of money. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a power thing. And it's a power thing, and and, power and some thing. people really enjoy. It. I've got mm-hmm. I've got one first AD that I've I've known since I've started, and he is a golden god of ADs, and he will be doing ADing for the rest of his life, and uh, he's good at it. How, however short that may be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> generally like Type A personalities. You think? Like, oh yeah, right? yeah. These are alphas. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't be a passive. Yeah. No. No. yeah uh, they, hey guys, well, what time would you like to eat? Because they come in. Right. That's okay. You're not right. No. It's okay. I mean, it's kind of in flux. I mean, our schedule. It's uh, whatever works for everybody. It's very fluid. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They command the room. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to. Man, I would think that that would just be so incredibly. You'd feel on edge all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, but once again, I think it has to do with personality yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're that minded person, sometimes it doesn't stress you. You're just like this, this, this. Yeah. And, then, and there's no flexibility with some of these the no. first ads. It's like this is what we're doing, and if you don't do it, you you can leave my set. Yeah. So yeah. You know, and I suppose some people do very well in a high stress environment. I am not one of those people. No. <laughs> <laughs> At all. No matter how medicated I, feel, I am. I feel like I'm not, but I keep putting myself in that situation <laughs> day true. in, day out. I mean, that's just part of it. There's there's definitely that point in the production where you're like, what am I doing? Oh, why, yeah. why am I doing this to myself? Like, we're only selling <laughs> Skittles. What's going on here? I don't understand. Why are you stressing out so much? And then funny enough, the more money is involved on the job, it's like the more relaxed it is. Yeah. It's insane. Totally. Pharmaceutical jobs, they're like, hey, we have walk around past... The lobster rolls for you to eat and, you know, dessert 
phrase. And I never trust it though. My brain can't. My brain. <laughs> brain can't my do brain it. can't. I'm like, who's paying? <laughs> lobster rolls. We can't afford lobster rolls. They come, they come around with one of those little uh, metal boxes yeah. and open it up and like. That's, that's where the money goes, man. And you're like, wait a minute. We, we just did. We, we just did a shoot on my birthday, uh, and we were shooting on my birthday, and my wife was working with me on the shoot, and I was like, I don't want anyone. Uh, like, I don't want to make a deal about it. I don't want to like, you know, I just don't want it to be about that. I just want to get the shoot done. And I knew she wasn't going to listen. And she, and she, you know, she got like a, she got the producers, to, the executive producers to like do a cake and whatever. <laughs> and so they, they do a cake at the end of the shoot. And then my wife's like, well, this is really awkward. But um, the executive told me I have to give you the, the slip for the cake. So, <laughs> slip for your so cake. you're going to have to, here's the bill. You're going to have to pay. For, I mean, not you personally, but like production's <laughs> paying for it, but you're the one that's going to have to find room in the budget for this. So Don't I was you like, just oh, love that. God, it's fine. And I'm like, Holy crap. What this, where'd you get this cake? <laughs> this is a really expensive cake. It was a really we expensive cake. It. Put me over budget. Thanks. Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> Would have been happy with sprinkles. No. It was know. fine. We were, we were okay, but. Yeah, ironically, I had to pay for the cake. That happens a lot, though, in our industry. Oh, yeah. Where we're, we're given a receipt. <laughs> Just the other day, I received a $3,500 dinner receipt. A dinner receipt for a client can't, meal. Can't even. That was half the bill. Half the bill. Half the bill. And half the budget. No. <laughs> uh, oh, there was no budget for that money. Yeah. So. That, that money just magically... No, I mean, half of the out. budget you were given. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. And when you're handed that receipt, you're like, oh, well, now I have to figure out where it's coming from. Oh, 100%. Okay, what in <laughs> it's not my production do I need to now cut for this lunch? So, oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So being on commercial sets and promo sets, any, any fun, interesting anecdotes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, one of my favorite moments on set was as a PA, funny enough. There's, there's actually two very memorable I have a lot of memorable moments, but there's two that come to mind mm -hmm. when you ask the question. First time was uh, with the late Don Rickles. I was doing a commercial. Do you remember the, I think they still do them, the Snickers commercials where yeah, they, uh -huh, where they replace it, it with yeah. some older star. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were doing one with Joe Pesci and Don Rickles. And I think this was like two, three years before Rickles passed. And he had a trailer that was, he didn't move very well at this point. And he had a trailer that was like right in front of the set. It was a house location and they needed somebody to do assist him down the stairs and walk him up to the front door. For those of you that can't tell on the podcast, I'm Jewish. I look pretty Jewish and uh, I'm amongst a bunch of other production assistants and Don Rickles comes out the door and he's looking around and like, Don, we, we're going to give you an assistant to help you out. And he looks at everybody like really maliciously as Don would. And he goes, and he looks at me and he points at me and he goes, you Jewish? And I, sorry about that. And I said, uh, yes, sir, I am. And he goes, I don't want anybody else touching me, but this guy, this, this guy's going to help me. And I, I was flattered and I knew that my dad would get a real good kick yeah. out of that. And so I helped Don Rickles the rest of the day, and uh, he was a very sweet man. Uh, not as, I mean, he acts can take a risk, but in person he was very, yeah. very nice. And Joe was great. Uh, I have to give props to Joe Pesci. He he smoked a lot on that set, but um, he was a really, really great individual, and it was a pleasure to, to work with him. And then the other one, both of these guys are late. I feel bad about this. The other one was um, Alex Trebek. 
he, we did some infomercial. Yes, I did a lot of infomercials in my days. Um, uh, also, Oric vacuum cleaners are amazing. Uh, that being said, you're not being paid anymore. No, <laughs> I'm not being paid anymore for it. I, I just I stick by them. And so, so we're working with Alex Trebek, and you know, someone of his stature who like most of at least most of America knows him, and a lot of the world, and. Uh, I think this was like shortly after they, he had found out he had ca- cancer mm-hmm. the first time. And um, he was just the nicest guy. And he went out his way to talk to me. And I was just like a lonely set PA sitting in, you know, for him. And he was really, really good dude. Yeah. Those were the two. How about you, Sean? Any, any, uh, or good or bad stories. Oh, well, I can't share bad. I can't share bad. You yeah, can't share bad. Too many bad. Uh, yeah, to there's, I mean, you know, and it's and it's funny because there's something I almost asked you about and I stopped myself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wouldn't have had anything to say about that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, that's it good. Was all good. Good. That's good. Well, that'll be a little puzzle for people to figure yeah. out on their yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably not too hard to figure out. No, probably um, not. Let's see. So recently, actually, it, one of these anecdotes actually paid off recently. Uh, when my first, it wasn't a feature; it was a pilot. We um, after I after I left Ellen, one of the earlier jobs I did when I was moving into film uh, was a pilot, which is like a unsolicited first episode of a show. Um, so we were doing this pilot, and uh, because I had just come from Ellen and was doing the, the VIP thing over there originally. My friend who was directing and, and writing this this pilot was like, you know, we've got some big names coming on. It was um Paul Servino, Janine Garofalo, a couple of a couple of people. And we just we need someone that can kind of like babysit them, you know, just kind of be with the talent. Ginny was coming in from New York. Mm-hmm. Uh so we needed someone to drive her to set every day, spend time with her, just kind of like hang out. So uh, I picked up Janine at the airport and, um, and then Janine and I were driving and driving to set and spending time together for like her entire, I think she was here for like three weeks. Um, so we got to hang out and yeah. got to know each other and got to be, got to be quite friendly. Uh, one of them had many conversations in the car and one of the conversations in the car at some point had to do with student loans <laughs> and, uh, uh, and she adamantly was like, do not pay. <laughs> she was like you defer that shit you defer it you defer it you defer it and i'm like and this is at this point this is like like maybe 15 years ago yeah. i was like i don't have a choice like i don't really have much say in the matter right. deferring is my really my only option but i did i deferred my loans and i i and i always was doing income based repayments and which were hopefully not any payment yeah these are all uh, things that are very uh familiar to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I got got really good at that. And every time uh, student loans would call, I would have Janine in my head going, do not pay it. (laughs) Much much to my, much to my wife's, uh, my wife's chagrin. Uh, uh, I did so because <laughs> my wife was like, you know, I'm going to occur that <laughs> at some point. Uh, We're now attached on our credit. Yeah, line, you know yeah, yeah. It kind of sounds to me like she's like, you're going to die before me. Oh, yeah. And that's she, be that was her problem. biggest fear. <laughs> uh, well, cut to uh, I haven't really told a lot of people this. And I apologize in advance because I do have survivor's guilt about this. Oh, uh, but I did wake up one morning. And find out that my student loans had magically disappeared. No way. <laughs> what? Yes way. Uh, just like maybe three weeks ago. 
No way. Yeah. yeah. Insane. It was a very weird thing to wake oh, up to. You know, I bet you hit your 20 year repayment and then it just hits you on the taxes a little bit probably, right? No, nothing. Really? But wow. yeah, you're right. It was yeah, the yeah. 20. It was like. Yeah. Because with the federal loans, there was some stipulation that if you didn't pay them back within 20 years, they forgive them, but you're supposed to be taxed as income. And also if you were in the income-based thing, I had just refiled for the income-based uh, I think in 2018, right before the pandemic mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. And I was in that window of people who were oh, mishandled. Right, right. Uh, so just lucked out. But but the very first thing I did was I text Janine. <laughs> <laughs> and I you said... You were right. And I said, man, you were right. She's like, and if your little voice wasn't in my head for the last 20 years, <laughs> I probably like, would have made some payments. I probably shouldn't have. And she's like, new phone. Who's this? <laughs> for all the government people listening, I was very... Yeah. But, good. Cover yourself. Yeah. Did you get the letter? Did you get the letter that said... Well... Because <laughs> that letter is amazing. Here's the funny thing. I knew that the, the, the payments were coming up. Yep. And I got an, I got an email from from my student loan saying I had a notification and I needed to log in. And I was like, hell no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Janine said no. I, I know it's nobody coming. Nobody wants to log into that anyway. No. Yeah, I'm no. like, I know it's coming and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to handle it, but I'm not going to open it up and find out how soon it's going to be. And I think they also realized that I wasn't opening it up. So then they just sent me a straight out email that just was like, congratulations, you know, yeah. your final payment was made. And I was like, oh. I have a benefactor. Yeah. yeah, which which my wife was like, it's a it's a scam. I'm like, they're not. At, I'm like, they're not asking for anything. <laughs> there's no scam. link. There's no anything. It's just telling me it's call gone. this number and get a Walmart gift card. Yeah, and give us a green dot card. Put it all on a green dot yeah. card. So yeah, it, it was nice to have that come full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, she didn't give me that kind of advice. So that's, she did. that's nice. She's great. So uh, before, you know, I, I had to go take care of my grandpa bladder. And now that I'm back, Sean, you had made a comment that uh, you were working with your wife on on set. Mm-hmm. So obviously your wife's in, in the industry too then. Yeah, she's uh, an actress and a costume. Okay. And what you're married as well, right, David? I am. And, and is your wife involved in the industry at all? She is not. She is a stay-at-home mom. So that's that's that brings up an interesting question. And I'll, I'll start with Sean. Being in the same business as your wife do you find that to be helpful or do you find it to be you know some people who work with their spouses are like like look man like lots of other people get to go to work in different places (laughs) 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 you know like what has been your experience i guess the more fair question is what has been your experience being in the same business yes to both um yes when i am working on set with my wife it can it can trigger uncomfortable especially when i'm the boss mm-hmm. it the one time that gets to happen yeah it, it happens more it happens more often than not because no, i mean usually, outside of the home oh yeah outside of the oh yeah oh yeah totally oh no yeah you're, you're absolutely right there um it, it does get difficult and sure. i and i try really hard to just be like okay look at it with the right perspective right. Of, of is she upset because she's upset or is she upset like because she's being you know right so um it does get hairy there. But the other part is, is that her working in the industry is good because when I'm super busy, whether we're on the project or not, she gets it. Right. Like she knows what the job is. She knows, mm-hmm. she doesn't know what my job is because every time that comes up, she'll be like, I don't get it. <laughs> well, Dave can also attest, like no one knows what a producer's job is. It's, right. it's the most explained job that still isn't explained. But she at least knows 
when I'm like working 18 hour days or whatever. So like, do you have a computer? I do. But okay, I, well, that, I, that I makes sense it. then. Yeah, because yeah, you, you got to have those. You, yeah. you got a laptop. Yeah, and, a laptop. yeah okay. Change yeah. your whole career path. Yeah. That's true. Actually, I do all my stuff on my phone. It drives people insane. <laughs> that would drive me insane. Yeah. What's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> I use my iPhone, but, but I try to use my phone the most. But I've had other like co-producers lose their mind. They're like, stop it. I already don't trust them because they're, they're co-producers right anyway. But, yeah. 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 Whose brother are you? <laughs> Whose brother are you? <laughs> Leave me alone. What, is, what does your wife do, David? She's a stay-at-home mom. Oh, you said that. Okay. So that might help with the dynamic a little bit because how irregular are your hours? Well, now they're pretty regular. Right. Uh, Prior to me taking on a full-time position, they were all over the place. Right. It was was freelancing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of ways to work in the industry. One of them is you could have a full-time job at a studio like Sean did with Universal for Mm -hmm. a, a short period there. Or you can freelance, which is basically like an independent contractor. I mean, you're almost no different than a plumber or a home contractor, that kind of thing. And you're just, it's all word of mouth. You're making relationships, networking, making phone calls, and you find jobs that way. Um, I don't know how we led to this portion. Oh, you were you were asking about the hours. So the hours are all over the place. Um, You may get a call for, you know, I've done... I had done a lot of music videos in the early days where we'd work 24-hour days. Ugh. And now that is illegal. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, not reported. It's not reported, um, but that's definitely illegal yeah, to well, say that... Definitely benefit your career if you did report it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You would do very well, actually. There'd be a list of people around the block just wanting to work with you. Well, we like whistleblowers <laughs> oh, in the industry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, the, the, the hours were tough and it was, you know, before then, um, before my wife was a stay at home mom, she did a lot of work as a visual merchandiser at J Cruz. So she had very early hours to go and dress the storefront windows and get the whole store set. So those first few years we saw each other in passing right? and it was great. And, you know, we would find time to hang out and whatnot, but, uh, definitely having one person at home. Mm especially if you're going to have a family in the industry is very helpful. It's like, if you're going to have kids, do you want a nanny raising your kids or do you want to do it? Right. Nanny for sure. Yeah. My kids are monsters. They suck. (laughs) Um, No, kids are great. But uh, yeah, no, that was a big. So there's travel, right? Oh yeah. So that, that's a great question. So the hours got better with the full-time position, but now there's a lot of travel involved because with any of these jobs, sometimes you have to go where the talent is or, or where the locations are. So I'm sure in Sean's instance, when there's like a new movie coming up, it, it may not be in town and he has to go somewhere. Right. Same thing with us. If we are doing a promo for a movie and it needs to be with, say, I don't know, Denzel Washington for Equalizer 3 or something, mm. we have to go where he is. Mm. Most most times, unless they can afford to fly them out. So there's some travel involved and that becomes tough. It's tough when the kids are younger. Right. Because it's just a it's a lot more to deal with for my wife on her own. And um, we're not in a situation where parents are close. They're the closest family members, 50, 60 miles away. Right. Luckily, we have people like Tony and Reagan now. (laughs) Um, For anybody who doesn't know, Reagan is Tony's wife. They'll do a whole interview on her. It'll be great. See? Uh, See? I'm telling you, that is a great idea. 
talking to my wife. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yes. That, I, I said that. that feel like honey, I've said that from the beginning, and Zach was like, what? That is not true. She knows whose side I'm on. We've yeah. been over this several times that Reagan does indeed get me in the divorce. <laughs> Whether that's a threat or a promise, I guess I don't know. But it's uh, you are the second person independent without prompting. That has said that Reagan would be a fantastic interview. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Very knowledgeable. I, yeah. hundred. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm the first. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and I will say like, that's the, the travel aspect of it, um, is, especially with kids, is not necessarily even unique to the industry. I mean, no. I got offered a phenomenal job uh, two years ago uh, to work with a consulting company that would have required me to travel all over the United States. And I've got a, a strange situation. So I, I, when my wife and I got together, uh, she had two boys, 10 and seven mm-hmm. that who I see they're, they're my boys. So like, I don't like making a differentiation between them and my girls, but you know, now they're 26 and 20 soon to be 23 at the end of this month. My girls are, my oldest daughter will be 10 in two weeks. And my youngest daughter just turned seven. So we had a, a huge gap and two years ago when this job was offered to me, I was like, I can't be traveling all the time with these, these little kids. And that would have been the, every job would have been a traveling job for me. And it just sucked because it was a fantastic opportunity, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't priorities. bring myself to do it, you know? And now I'm like, especially the sense the little one's personality has really evolved. I'm like, man, why didn't I take that job? I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> they are mean little kids, man. And I like, it's either I should have taken the job or doubled my dose of anxiety medication. And I doubled my dose of anxiety medication. <laughs> so when you go to another location in, in your particular case and, and for Sean as well, are, are you because it costs money to bring the talent in, are you hiring locally then most of the time? Yeah, yeah. most often. So that, that's an added thing for you guys to find out what the resources are in that area, right? Good yeah. Point. Good point. Yeah. It's, it hasn't uh, happened to me as, as much. Mm-hmm. Oh, re- as a reason. Because you did some traveling in the past, no? I have, but yeah, it, it's, um, most, of my, most of my stuff has been in, a, in, in the yeah. area. Okay. So it hasn't, it hasn't really affected me as much. Oh, interesting. So when I was freelancing, it wasn't as uh, common because as freelancers, they just hire, like you said, they'd hire the freelancers locally Mm -hmm. and and crew it up that way. As soon as I was in-house with this company and sort of uh, in a producery role, I would, I'd have to find these uh, local crew members. And um, it's interesting how you go about doing that, right? Most of our industry is word of mouth. Uh, That's how you get around. I mean, resumes are great. Mm-hmm. And there there are corporate aspects to our industry where resume comes in handy and it will get your foot foot in the door. But for things like on set work and and to really get into the dirt, you, you don't it's it's word of mouth. Yeah, you, you want Yeah, and it's attitude is okay to work yeah, with. Right. Yeah. This guy's yeah. good. He'll lift stuff, you right. know. Just like just like you live and die by the AD, you live and die by the atmosphere and the mood of the entire crew. Yeah. 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 yeah, which can, you know, one bad crew member yeah. can actually set the tone for the whole shoot. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a interesting experience to find crew because uh, you don't have that word of mouth uh, when no, you're going to no. location. So, and so what usually, do you do when you're somewhere else? So you know what's funny is uh, when I got in the industry, I think the internet started to become. Forgive me one moment. <laughs> obnoxious dog that joined this interview. Um, so. Uh, 
when I first started, whenever you'd get a travel job and you'd have to, no, no, let me back up. So when I first got in the industry, the internet started to become more prevalent mm-hmm. and, and used. Like we were still u- using Thomas guides to get everywhere. So there was, in the commercial world, there was something called copros. It was, everybody remember Yahoo groups and mm-hmm. people make a lot of Yahoo groups. Well, somebody in the early ni- or late nineties, when the internet started to take off with Yahoo, had started this group called copros. It was basically commercial production people. Oh. And so this thing's been going for so long that there's a long record of crew members from all sorts of different states, a lot of email threads that will say ISO, which means in, in search, search of. of. And you so you just you follow that. And a lot of times you could go down that road or on the Facebook there's Facebook groups too that deal with TV and film crew. Wow. And you start to track down who are the most notable individuals in their different cities. And oftentimes, like, if you can't, if, say you get Jackson Hole, Wyoming, you know, there may not be a thread for that, but call somebody else in a nearby state, maybe like Montana, and you might find a crew member that works both states, which is funny. Like, you'd think people would be isolated to just their state, but I know a lot of people that they'll, they'll work locally in like three or four mm-hmm. different states yeah. just because they know the crew. And um, it's an interesting experience. You'll hit a lot of duds. Um, you'll get you'll blacklist a lot of people because mm-hmm. they won't be good. Yeah. Um, but then you find a lot of pleasant surprises. Yeah. I mean, hell, hell of a carpenter does way too much math. Yes, yeah, yeah, does yeah, way yeah, exactly. too much math, and you got to exactly. make those notes. You know, sometimes it's the only art guy in like three counties. Right. Uh, or do you ever get the one where like, no, I can do this, and they get there and they have no clue. One hundred percent. had that in Vegas. You always hilarious. have. You always have one. Yes, yeah. there's going to be one. There's always one. And 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 the local coordinator will typically say, I've never worked with this person before, mm-hmm. but they were recommended to me. Uh, <laughs> red flag. I mean, how yeah. hard can welding really be? Yeah. You'd mean, be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Especially uh, when you're talking about best boys. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> that secret will go I with know. us well, for regrets. What about you, Sean? What's your experience with that out of state? Um, out of state, I've only had it a couple times, and and I I I found like you said, you find one, like your coordinator or someone or or you your UPN that you trust, and you kind of like you find if you find a good person out there, like where you're going to, um, you can kind of put a little faith in. Okay, I found somebody I trust. Yeah, and. Fingers crossed, and let's see let's see how it goes. And it's always harder because you're you're used to your team, uh-huh. your group, and you try to bring as many of them as you can, right? Oh, <laughs> Within yeah. the budget, because then that that costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. travel is expensive. Travel, travel is and housing, lodging, yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 rough. Imagine if you traveled to do like, for example, an internet radio show that uh, doesn't make any money. Imagine what that's like. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I, I, I know a guy and talked to him once about it. He's a little forlorn, but he, he's going to get over it. You should give him some sound advice. Yeah. Call Janine. What would she do? Yeah. yeah. Well, what, would she, little, what would she say? I'm a little late on the don't pay your student loans. Thing. Yeah. Well, uh, there's advice for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that's good advice. That's good advice. It worked for me. <laughs> You know, I have to give you guys before I forget. I have to give you guys uh, s- some some props for how well you have started to talk about an industry term and been like, "Let me explain that to you." 
there have been so many teachable moments in this conversation. And usually we're like, can you explain what that means? But no, you guys have been like, it's almost like we're at a, uh, we're being educated. Like, it, it comes, it comes with the hat. We're, yeah. we're oh, used yeah. to explaining what it means. Oh, yeah. It's like, and I usually have to tell everything about what I do. So people understand. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. All I know is he sits on a computer in his house. That's uh, the, 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 the movie that captured producing the best, is Wag the Dog with Dustin Hoffman. You were yeah. going to say Wag the Dog? Yeah. I was going to say Living in Oblivion. Oh, that too. That's a, that's I, a good one. I just, I always think of, of Dustin Hoffman just being so frustrated with not getting the credit. Yeah. <laughs> not getting the credit or, or, for what he put together at the last minute. All I want is credit. I want to be acknowledged for doing this. Oh, yeah, or yeah. Uh, Four Dogs and a Bone. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to watch those. I haven't seen Well, Four Dogs in a Bone is a play, so I don't know if oh, okay. anybody's ever actually done a movie or a film on it. But I don't think anyone's ever... I don't think so. Well, guys, I really appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, telling us what you do and how you do it, and we really uh, appreciate what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I really do appreciate you and what it is you do. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, this thanks. was fun. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you had a good time.